Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here, and welcome everyone back to our Lisk series, the Long Island Serial Killing. And uh, for the most part, we haven't had a lot to report until. Until uh, new administrations came in, and and that's the Tierney administration, and uh, and also Commissioner Rodney Harrison uh, came in, and uh, and they're including, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the, the best sheriff's office in uh, in in the state, I mean, anywhere in the country, uh, we'll put them up against, and that's the Suffolk County Sheriff's Office and Errol Toulon, and and uh, representing uh, the sheriff's office today was Kevin Catalina, and what they did, I, I should say, uh, we're we're. I should point out that we're recording this a day earlier. So uh, the press conference happened on Tuesday and, uh, and, and you're all hearing this on a, on a Wednesday, but Kevin Catalina is the undersheriff and he is, um, he is as good as they get. His uh, credentials are, are up there with anyone and as in law enforcement and the work he did in New York City under the uh, most unbelievable circumstances uh, is just it's second to none. But uh, just uh, what, what a uh, what a person to have uh, the the day after. Uh, reporting the day after, you know, a Lisk press conference happened, and and again, I wasn't there, so this is all fresh for me as well. Kevin Catalina, how are you? I'm doing well, Frank. Thank you. Thanks for that introduction. Yeah, well, listen, uh, well deserved. And uh, if you can give us a give us a rundown. Assume nobody has read anything. Assume we haven't heard anything. Um, what happened at today's press conference on Gilgo Beach? So a couple of things happened. Um, there's some some video. Uh, that's released that, um, you know, by tomorrow, uh, probably a lot of people will have seen already. Um, it's video of the last uh, victim um, in the uh, uh, in this case, entering and exiting a hotel. And, uh, you know, I think that's important because maybe it'll jog somebody's memory. Maybe somebody will see it and, and you know, say, hey, I was walking into the hotel that night or maybe somebody who worked there. Um, you know, who knows? I, I think it's a great idea. I think um, the, you know, the fact that, that Commissioner Harrison is, is taking a fresh look at this and uh, is more willing to, you know, share some of the, uh, you know, the details with the public, you know, can only really help. And, uh, you know, I think that's been missing from this investigation quite frankly for a long time and um, you know I think with uh, in conjunction with uh, District Attorney Tierney uh, who by the way um, you know both of whom I worked with in the city so uh, you know I, I couldn't say enough good things about uh, about both of those gentlemen uh, and um, you know I, I think this is um, you know the right way to go I think it's been a long time uh, the victims deserve it the families of the victims deserve it and uh, I, you know I think we should do everything within our power to uh, you know to shine a light on it and, and get it done now from what i understand the the tapes show uh megan waterman and you mentioned uh, she was the, the the latest victim in uh in lisk um and uh, megan waterman uh who was uh, uh, one of the victims here who worked as a sex worker and akeem cruz if i'm understanding correctly i don't know whether you um uh, or, or D.A. Tierney or uh, Commissioner Harrison uh, pointed out, and again, uh, pardon my ignorance on this, but I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't there. I couldn't get there uh, in time. Uh, it, was it pointed out that this was Megan Waterman and uh, Akeem Cruz? 
So Megan Waterman, you know, as the victim, um, you know, her name was brought up. Um, there was no additional information released, Frank. And, and you know, the media did ask some kind of pointed questions. And, and you know, being that it's an ongoing investigation, uh, you know, there was only so much that they were willing to disclose at the press conference. So there were no additional names mentioned, but but Megan Waterman was the victim that we were referring to, um, you know, uh, leaving, entering and leaving the hotel. So that video is, um, you know, is going to be released. Uh, I would imagine that'll be on um, Tuesday night's uh, news. Uh, there was uh, many different outlets there. So, uh, so everybody's going to get a look at that. Let me remind folks that are just tuning in uh, a little late or, or turning on their radios a little late. You listen into the voice of Under Sheriff Kevin Catalina, who's, uh, again, uh, his credentials in law enforcement are second to none. And uh, actually, we'll get a little bit of his uh, background uh, if he would uh, if he would share with us. But uh, just an impressive career. Frank McKay here with Kevin Catalina. And we're talking LISC in the, in the press conference. Um uh, let me uh, let me ask you, uh, Kevin, uh, if you can give us uh, give us a little bit of your background, and if you can start from the beginning, where were you born? Where were you raised? Uh, born in New York City in uh, Jackson Heights. I uh, spent the first couple of years of my life there, and then moved out to Sable, um, out here in the island of Suffolk County, and I've been here, you know, my whole life. Um, so I went to Sable High School and married my high school sweetheart. We have two kids in college at this point, and. Uh, yeah, so I've, I've been here uh, basically my whole life. Uh, 1992, I joined the New York City Police Department. I started out in South Jamaica, got promoted pretty quickly um, to sergeant, um, and ultimately ended up in the gang squad, in the Queens gang squad as a sergeant. Um, spent a little time as a lieutenant uh, working in Astoria, and then went back to the gang squad as a lieutenant. Ultimately, I when I was promoted to captain, um, uh, I uh, went back to the gang squad uh, as a captain as well. So uh, as you can hear, a lot of my career was spent um, combating the, the gang problem uh, in New York City, and particularly in Queens. I worked very closely with our colleagues uh, in Nassau and Suffolk County. Uh, as we know, the gang issued those they don't know borders, and, and uh, this particular MS-13 problem uh, spanned the entire island and, and into New York City and beyond. So I worked very closely there. Uh, went uh, after uh, my time as the cap, the commanding officer of the Queens Gang Squad. Uh, I was a precinct commander for almost eight years. I was a uh, uh, of three different precincts. One was a public service uh, command in Upper Manhattan. Uh, then I ran the three two precinct after that, uh, which is Central Harlem. Uh, then the 4-4 precinct, uh, which is the Bronx, uh, kind of southwestern Bronx, covers Yankee Stadium, uh, all of the court facilities um, over there off 161st Street. Uh, after that, I was promoted to deputy chief, and I took over the gang squad in all of New York City, so I had all five boroughs. And then uh, after that, I spent some time as the executive officer of the borough of Manhattan North, where I ran all of our ComStat stuff. Um, I was in charge of security for all the, the big parades up there, uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade, uh, New York City Marathon, things of that nature. Uh, and then I ended my career in the intelligence division, where I was in charge of the operational and analytical section uh, of the intelligence bureau, which... Uh, basically, uh, we ran our covert counterterrorism operations. 
So I, I've got to say, you you have summed up a very impressive career in very very few uh, words and very few minutes. I mean, wow! I, I mean, this is no you weren't picking daisies um, out there. I mean, this is tough stuff that you were dealing with. And it, it's listen, it's not like this is Boise, Idaho, and and all due respect to the law enforcement in Boise, Idaho. I mean, this is tough. It's some very tough territory with uh, with the gang squad and and everything else. So I, first of all, thank you for for your service and and to sum it up like that but what a what a career and and you're being very modest uh, along the way a lot of accolades and 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 uh, so many uh, you know different uh, uh thoughts on on what you've done in your career it's just very very impressive uh, by the way your uh your your boss the boss over here uh errol tuan you can say the same about him i mean he's you know he's um he's a guy and you know he he wasn't picking daisies for a living he was in a, a rikers island and and overseeing that at different points and he you know, he butted heads with um, uh, Mayor de Blasio and, and, you know, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't play the games. And, uh, you know, he, he has a very impressive, uh, you know, path to get to where he did. And uh, it's, it's a very, you know, it's a very nice combination of people. Uh, when did you meet up with Toulon? Uh, so when uh, Sheriff Toulon was the deputy commissioner on Rikers Island, he was in charge of their intelligence bureau, and that uh, unit oversaw gang enforcement um, within Rikers. So when I was the commanding officer of the gang division for New York City Police Department, we collaborated on a couple of cases, um, some of it inside the jail and some of it outside the jail. Uh, but we took down a, uh, a bunch of gang members that were primarily focused in the Bronx and, and of course, um, you know, inside of Rikers, too. They were um, applying their trade in there as well. Uh, so that's when we first kind of got together. And then uh, we spoke at a few panels. We spoke uh, at a panel with uh, then Brooklyn uh, Borough President. Uh, Eric Adams and uh, so you know I've known uh, Sheriff Toulon for a while and as you said I, I can't say enough good things about him um, you know what an incredible man and uh, what an incredible story and and uh, you know just a, a, an amazing boss to work for he's so smart and uh, and passionate and cares about people and cares about the community so yeah nothing but good things to say about him yeah same here Frank McKay much more importantly Kevin Catalina is the undersheriff in Suffolk County, New York. If you're listening elsewhere, um, we have a very impressive, uh, you know, group of law enforcement. And by the way, we have great law enforcement in uh, in Suffolk County. I, I never want to, uh, you know, I, I never want anybody to think that I feel anything different. The men and women in Suffolk County, uh, you know, I mean, 99% of them are just uh, the the cream of the crop, and and uh, and at the top. You know, uh, you know, now uh, you, you got Sheriff Toulon, terrific. And everything that I've seen from Rodney Harrison as commissioner has, uh, has been impressive. Uh, first syllables out of his mouth when he uh, when he came out here after he was appointed was Lisk. And, and you could imagine uh, how how happy we were here. We were to hear that. And of course, D.A. Tierney, which uh, probably was the um uh, it was was a big reason why the politicians locally um, realize that they uh, they have to start paying attention to what's going on here. Frank McKay, much more importantly, Kevin Catalina, under sheriff in Suffolk County, is our very special guest. Talking list here for for a couple moments longer. Um, there is a, a completely different feel since uh, D.A. Tierney has come in and Commissioner Harrison. And by no means am I asking you to bash anybody that's uh, that's been there before. I'll do that on my on my own. But I, it, you've got to admit, it does seem to be a different feel here. And uh, and people seem to be taking this very seriously. Do you do you sense that from where you're sitting? 
I do. And, and, you know, I attribute a lot of that to, to those, you know, two individuals that you just mentioned, um, you know, uh, both, uh, kind of cut their teeth well you know tyranny more so out here but eventually ended up in the city and uh, commissioner harrison you know i worked side by side with um in the city uh we were precinct commanders together of neighboring precincts and known him for a long time and, and what i will say about new york city is um you know the the bosses in, in new york city don't take no for an answer and uh you know you were forced uh, to get the job done. And that mentality, I think, stays with you. Um, you know, and, and I think the, the best way to get the job done, no matter what you talked about law enforcement, is collaboration. You know, the, whether that's with your federal partners, your your local partners within your agency, or your local partners, you know, outside of your agency. But, you know, you can't do it on your own. And, and you know, that was something that, uh, that we learned, you know, pretty quickly in New York City. And I think that um, mentality and attitude has been transferred out here. And, yeah, nothing about you know, uh, certainly nothing negative about their predecessors. I think they did a, a wonderful job too. But I think that, again, that mentality um, uh, has has you know come with them. And uh, quite frankly, I, you know, ten years ago, I don't know that the South County Sheriff's Office would have been included in an investigation like this. Although I, I think we have you know uh, extremely valuable and relevant information, uh, you know, regarding uh, an investigation like this. But but this is new. This mentality is new, and you know, we call breaking down the silos in the city and um you know it's uh it's something that certainly works in law enforcement and uh you know i'm, I'm happy that uh they're out here and i'm happy to be a part of it well you you uh, mentioned uh 10 years ago uh it, w- it wouldn't be likely that the the uh, sheriff's office would be involved in something like this um 10 months ago uh, you know the things and and again i know you're you're being careful you don't want to slam anybody from from the past but uh, is this the first activity or is this the first press conference that you've ever been involved with uh, regarding Lisk, Long Island serial killing? Uh, to my knowledge, yes. I think there was an inaugural press conference that the sheriff attended, kind of uh, kicking it all off. And, uh, you know, uh, but that decision was made you know when i say inaugural i mean you know uh when when this kind of uh refocusing happened so that was you know that was months ago uh but uh but we've been included you know uh you know the whole way now and and we're an integral part of it and uh happy to help now there's a uh, there's a test for us and as as we all heard your resume which is unbelievably uh, impressive uh, you know we we heard the words task force in uh, in there several times and you've been part of uh, um uh, you know, and, and headed up uh, gang task force and uh, and different uh, different situations like that. W- what is this exactly? And and again, Commissioner Harris laid it out, but uh, you know I can't lay it out the way he did. But what what can you share with us uh, publicly? And and you know, again, we're not asking for anything, anyone to tell tales out of school. But um, what is this now? What is this group effort that's going on? It's uh, is is it a task force that includes the the feds at this point, the uh, the FBI or the U.S. Attorney's Office, the DA? I, this is now a grouping. How do you how do you classify this uh, in this new? You know, as you said, you called it inaugural. I mean, it is it is different. Uh, things are going differently, and I, we want the 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 listeners to realize it as well. But what do you call this? Is it a task force? 
It is a task force, and, and all of the organizations that you mentioned are a part of it. Uh, the FBI, the U.S. Attorney's Office, uh, State Police, Suffolk County Sheriff's Office, obviously Suffolk County Police Department, the DA's office. I mean, we're all, you know, uh, in this together, and, and we're all pooling information and meeting, you know, on a daily basis to uh, to talk about it. And, you know, um, yeah, I think, I think everybody has something different uh, to bring to this investigation. And, uh, you know, and... and you know, I've been a part of, you know, dozens of these, if not more investigations, and, and you never know what little, you know, tidbit of information is going to spark something in somebody who says, wait, uh, we saw that car here, or, or we have a report of that car there, or whatever it is, you know, um, without those people sitting in the room together, you're never going to get to that point. And, uh, and that's why it's so important to, to bring all of those parties together. And, you know, our federal partners have access to uh, databases and, and you know programs that that you know we don't at the state level and you know for some crazy reason for a long time the you know uh the fbi wasn't a part of this investigation and 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 that was a tragedy because there are things that probably could have been done by you know early on in this investigation that weren't as a result of that but that's a whole other story but um but but this um is the right way to go it's the correct way to run an investigation like this and again the, the victims and, and the families deserve it and uh, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, it's, it's so great to hear you say that. But when I hear uh, you, Tierney, and see the pictures of you, uh, Ray Tierney, and Commissioner Harrison there, I think to myself, uh, it's an awful lot of talent right there. And it's, uh, you know, I think we're all thrilled that it's working together now. And then you add the resources from the FBI and, uh, and, and U.S. Attorney's Office and whatever. I, and, you know, the idea of working together. And, and of course, uh, uh, Sheriff Toulon, who's, uh, you know, I mean, he's terrific uh, in every sense of the word. But I, um, I you know, I, 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 I want to point out one thing before we go. You said that you have information. Again, we're not asking for that information. I know you wouldn't give it. But I... The type of information that could come from the sheriff's office, and let me just state, it and you could correct me where I'm wrong, but you're you're in charge of the you're in charge of the jail. You're in charge of the uh, the jail here in Suffolk County, uh, the county where these these murders, these uh, heinous acts, uh, happened, and and you're dealing with folks that that are in the sex trade and and so forth. But uh, am I on the right track to to think that this is where some information could come to be helpful, where uh, where the sheriff's office can be uh good contributors in many different ways yeah Frank, I, I think you really hit the nail on the head i mean listen um by some estimates upwards of 60 percent of the women who come into our custody um have uh worked in the sex industry at some point um many against their will many have been trafficked and and it's it's really a tragedy um you know, and, and sometimes they're, you know, almost like forgotten in a way. And uh, what we did is we we recognized that Sheriff Tuan, you know, saw, uh, you know, that and, and created a uh, dedicated human trafficking team uh, in our jail. Um, so we have a sergeant and three investigators. They're all females. Uh, and, and basically what we do uh, is we uh, develop relationships with them over time, uh, knowing that that they have really, really valuable information, and not just about, um, you know, this case, but but about other victims of human trafficking that are out on the street. Uh, the difference between us and the police department when they encounter those same individuals is they have them for three hours during a booking process. 
uh, quite frankly, oftentimes uh, those women are strung out on drugs at that point. They're still under the impression that the people who are trafficking them are their boyfriends uh, and, and care about them, um, which is really not the case. They're, they're just, you know, really, really heinous criminals, uh, heinous, charismatic criminals, if that makes any sense. Yeah. They're the worst, worst kind of all. Um, but being that we have them for an extended period of time, uh, we have the ability to, again, develop relationships with them, uh, break down the barriers that existed, and, and deal with them when they have clear heads. Um, so uh, we've been able to identify traffickers, numerous traffickers on the outside. Um, we've interrupted uh, individuals being trafficked. And, and we work in conjunction with the Suffolk County Police Department, HSI, the FBI, uh, you know, during these investigations. So, so that's, you know, that's the first part, right? We're, we're actively trying to help uh, the women on the inside. We also, you know, offer them services and, and basically try to get them clean and try to get them out of the life. Um, so, so that's, that's the one part of it. But, you know, what we recognize is, is some of these women have, you know, unfortunately been in, in this trafficking uh, sex trade world for decades, right? And, and that takes us squarely into the time frame that we're dealing with, uh, with Long Island serial killers. So, um, so, you know, listen, there are other victims, right? There are victims that lived uh, through this individual or these individuals' acts, right? They're out there. We know that from previous investigations. Um, Fortunately, this individual didn't kill every one of his victims. So uh, there are additional victims out there who lived. Um, could one of them be in our facility? Very possibly. Um, might they have had an, an awful experience with this individual? Maybe they escaped. Maybe they fought him off. Maybe they were just left with such an unbelievably horrible feeling that they never forgot it. And when we can you know, uh, develop these relationships with these women, uh, we can get them to talk about things that they probably wouldn't talk to about uh, with anybody else. Uh, and that's where I think our real, real value comes in here because, again, uh, not every victim in this case died. Uh, there are victims out there who lived, uh, you know, through these attacks. And, uh, and those are the ones that we think could be really, really helpful in an investigation like this. Uh, amazing. I Honestly, uh, just the fact that we're having dialogue uh, on this conversation. It's just uh, wonderful. Uh, congratulations under, under Sheriff Catalina uh, on everything that you've done uh, in your career. We appreciate you and, and uh, Sheriff Toulon and everyone else that's, uh, that's, that's uh, doing the, fighting the good fight. Thank you very much for being here. You're welcome, Frank. Uh, we'll need a part two and a part three with Under Sheriff Kevin Catalina. He's terrific, and uh, he comes as advertised. Uh, what a career he's had. And uh, again, our subject has been the, uh, just kind of an overview of what happened at the press conference at, at Gilgo uh, today, um, uh, where, uh, again, uh, you're hearing it a day later, right? So we're talking on Tuesday for, for Wednesday, but we're DA uh, Tierney Commissioner Rodney Harrison and, and Under Sheriff Kevin Catalina. Uh, we're there uh, discussing uh, everything that we've, we've touched on here. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking Down, and we'll see you on the second part here on our list series. We'll be back right after this. Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, we continue our LISC series and our series of interviews and someone who I've interviewed before who's got uh, just uh, tremendous uh, information 
uh, and in insiders information that no one else could get it's unique uh, his knowledge is unique and he's a credible man he's an insurance broker from Smithtown and a businessman and we once again we've had him before Guy Malone is our very special guest and he is the ex-husband of Heather Malone and he is the uh, husband of, of uh, the late Linda Malone, uh, who, uh, you know, our heart goes out to him. Guy, let me introduce you. Guy Malone, everyone, is our very special guest. And Guy, first of all, our condolences on, uh, on your late wife, Linda. Yeah, thank you. Well, listen, uh, our heart goes out to you, and I appreciate you, uh, you, you speaking up here. And by the way, we spoke... Uh, you know, years ago, I don't know, four years ago, five years ago, and 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 I got so many emails and texts and so forth. Uh, you you unearthed a lot of information, and by the way, you you unearthed a lot of information about former police chief before he was police chief, uh, Jimmy Burke. Uh, can you give us a little uh, background of uh, of what we've talked about before, and uh, and Heather and the the Jimmy Burke connection? Okay. Um- First off, our interview was done, if I remember, in 2017. So it was done uh, prior to the belt being found, which was later uncovered at the uh, scene of the crime, I guess, where where they uncovered the body of one of the prostitutes. But going back to the late 1990s, 1999 to be exact, I uncovered, at that time, my current wife, Heather Malone, a prostitution ring that her and Jimmy Burke were involved in. Um, it was very involved investigation that I did on my own. Plus, I hired two private investigators to back me up on it. And over the course of two years, between 1999 and 2001, um, I did a lot of investigating work. And eventually, I took Heather Malone, my wife, to trial for a divorce. I didn't win the trial. Uh, I, I actually had... Um, implicated Jim Burke in the prostitution ring. He, at the time, he was a detective sergeant with the uh, 4th Precinct in um, Hop Park with the Suffolk County Police. And we had brought him in under oath, questioning him about his alleged ties to prostitution back at that time. And, of course, he denied everything. I still have the transcripts showing where he denied everything. But I had proof that he had been busted by the Suffolk County Police for prostitution back around 1995. And I even knew the name of the prostitute, which was Loretta Rickenbacker. Um, And nobody knew about that. News they didn't know about it. It was completely covered up by the Suffolk County Police. And as part of that um, cover-up, they at that time had busted Jim Burke in rank. This is back in 1995. Had transferred him from the second precinct in Huntington to the first precinct in Amityville, and he then became a detective sergeant as an undercover knock. Well, when I had all this information, I went to Internal Affairs, Suffolk County Internal Affairs, back on April 1st, 1999. I turned over everything. I turned over all my phone records, all the information I had proving that him and my current wife at that time, Heather Malone, were involved in a prostitution ring. Um, Eventually, it, they had the case for two years, internal affairs, and did absolutely nothing. Nothing was done. Um, I, I was very upset. I had, I had no other recourse. Okay, I basically threw up my hands up in the air 
in April of 2001 when I had my trial. I won the trial for my divorce, but I never got the chance to bring James Burke in under oath at my trial. And we, we had about 250 questions ready to go. And my attorney was going to tear him apart under oath um, about his ties to prostitution. So at that time, I just decided to move on. I said, you know what? I won my trial. I got the divorce. I never was able to pin anything on Burke. Meanwhile, Jim Burke, during all this, had gotten promoted by the Suffolk County Police from a detective sergeant to a lieutenant, which completely aggravated me. But there was nothing I could do. So I decided to move on. I re, uh, just restarted my life. I eventually married Linda Malone, who was my current wife. And I put everything behind me. And that's where it stood until I believe it's February 2012 when it was a Sunday morning. And I get up, I get my Sunday Newsday, and now on the front page of Newsday, a feature article on Jim Burke and how wonderful of a police officer he is and how he has been now promoted to the head of the Suffolk County Police Department. And if I remember, the article was written by Tanya Lopez. I almost choked on my breakfast when I'm reading this article because I know all about Jim Burke's ties to prostitution and other illegal things he was doing. So I couldn't take it anymore. So the very next day, I contacted Newsday and contacted Tanya Lopez, who wrote the article. And I said, we got to meet. I said, I have a lot of things to tell you and show you uh, that are contradicting what you're saying about Jim Burke. Believe it or not, Tanya um, at that time said, we have heard rumors about him. And she said, I really want to meet you. And we met. And that's when um, I started on showing them all the uh, documentation, evidence I had. And pretty much that's the history. Yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 amazing. Uh, the the work that you've done on this uh, went to internal affairs, from what I understand, and it was just kind of ignored. Certainly, Steve Ballone, the county executive, when he appointed him uh, police chief, ignored the uh, the information. And and one of the reasons we went back into doing a LISC series is because uh, Steve Ballone has talked about running for governor, and we figured, boy, what a better what a better time to get somebody to answer some unanswered questions. And of course, between the time you and I spoke last. I, I mean, uh, Jimmy Burke had served uh, time in jail for beating up Christopher Loeb, and uh, Tom Spoda now has been convicted, and Christopher McPartland is convicted, and, and again, Ballone is here talking about uh, running for governor or Congress or higher office. Uh, Guy Malone is our very special guest, and he is the, the ex-husband of Heather Malone, who allegedly, uh, but a lot of people believe, ran a prostitution ring along with former police chief Jimmy Burke, James Burke, and uh, I think they, they spent 10 years together, Heather and Jimmy Burke, and uh, there were no hard feelings, because it's my understanding, and maybe Guy can shed light on this, that uh, that Heather put in a, a letter of support for for James Burke when, when he went to jail. I think uh, she sent it to the, the judge, but I'll let him answer that. Guy Malone, once again, is our very special guest, Frank McKay, here with Guy. Uh, Guy, uh, is, is that accurate? Did uh, your ex-wife uh, give the, um, the letter of support for Jim Burke? Uh, yes, that is accurate. I actually was had um, was able to get a copy of the letter, so I, it was a short letter, one paragraph, just explaining he was a good family man, 
and he she never saw him do anything you know wrong as she had spent t- quite a bit of time with him because uh previous to that Loeb incident um heather lived with jim burke and my daughter at the time who was young also lived with jim burke um which infuriated me but there was nothing i could do about it so um heather used that information that oh he was a wonderful person he was wonderful to my daughter uh, trying to uh get a more lenient uh sentence when he was convicted well let me let me ask you about this and this is something that uh, that we've been discussing uh here on the show but since uh jim burke and and steve Ballone took over uh, and that was in, in 2012, January 1st, 2012, um, Ballone took over and he, they immediately got the, the last, uh, heads, the, uh, commissioner Richard Dormer was asked to retire before Ballone took office. Uh, if he wasn't, he was going to be busted down to captain, which would be significant, uh, uh, decrease in his pension. So he, he retired. Right. And also, um, Dominic Verone uh, was the chief of detectives, and he was, and they insisted that he retire, um, or he would be busted down to to captain as well, and significant loss in his pension. Uh, neither one of those men were deposed, which is bizarre, right? So the the serial killing investigation was going on for a year, and they were with the FBI. And they were both uh, forced to retire, basically, and not deposed. They weren't asked a single question, not even like, hey, guys, who do you think killed these women? Right. Not even a simple question. And uh, and then soon after that, uh, Jimmy Burke uh, successfully, uh, along with Steve Ballone and urging a Steve Ballone, got the FBI out of the investigation. And Aaron Moriarty confirmed that now. The one thing, Guy, that we have gotten in 10 years since they've stopped the investigation, and that's Jimmy Burke and and Steve Ballone, they successfully stopped the investigation of a serial killing, of a serial killing where where 10 to 16 people, including a three-year-old, are left, uh, the remains of them were left on the side of the road somewhere, buried and whatever. And, And all this time, we got one piece of information, and it was a belt. And the belt had initials on it. I've been mocking the belt, saying this is ridiculous. You know, is it a magic belt? Is it whatever? But they put out a belt before uh, Jerry Hart, uh, former commissioner, left. They put out a belt. I've been mocking the, the, the belt. Maybe I shouldn't. The initials on the belt were, uh, you know, HM. Uh, any idea? Or, or did your late wife, Linda, who was very close to Heather at one point, uh, any idea who those initials belong to? Okay. Uh, this is a pretty unique story. Um, originally, the belt, I guess it was about two years ago, whatever, when that belt was first uh, put out that it was evidence. And the funny thing about it was the uh, the police had that belt for many years. They never disclosed it. All of a sudden, they decided to disclose it. So there was something going on there, why it wasn't put out originally. Now, when it first came out, and the, the initials HM, I got bombarded with phone calls and i think you actually had called me back then yes. frank and asked me about it okay and um you know we talked about it and a lot of people who had heard my story were very once again interested in hearing from me and my story again wow you know hey we want to speak to guy malone so i spoke to quite a few people and um a lot of people did interviews but it kind of all then 
subsided and basically got swept under the carpet. Then in December, this past December, Newsday, for some reason, ran another article about the belt, and they put a picture of the belt in the paper. And I remember that morning, I saw the paper, and I thought, oh, okay, you know, I'd seen a belt before. I didn't think much of it. And there was a on, on the article that said, anybody who has information, they gave a phone number to call. All right. So about two or three hours later, I get a phone call. That worked. My wife, Linda, calls me up. She goes, Guy, I'm looking at the paper. She goes, that belt. She goes, I recognize that belt. I go, you recognize the belt? I go, How do you know that? How do you recognize the belt? And it turns out, and I knew this, Linda and my ex-wife, Heather, were very good friends back 20-some-odd years ago. Very good friends. This is before my divorce to Heather. Anyway, Linda's telling me a story that her and Heather used to go to a furrier store in St. James called Demetrius Furs. It was on 25A in St. James. And Demetrius was the owner. And Linda was very good friends with the owner. Heather wasn't. Linda was. And Linda says Heather used to go in there all the time. And she used to get custom-made things made, custom leather goods. Also, she had a fur coat custom-made by Demetrius, which I never knew. I never even knew Heather had a fur coat. So Linda's telling me all this. And she said, in fact, that Demetrius had told Linda that at one point he didn't like Heather because he caught Heather stealing a pair of leather gloves from his store. All right. So Linda says, yeah, she says, I recognize that belt. She says, that is something that Demetrius would have made. And then I'm thinking and I know Heather was very flamboyant and a lot of her clothes always she would have either her initials on it or her name on it, okay? And I'll give you a perfect example. This is a story involving Demetrius, Linda, and of course, Heather. Back in 1999, when I, when I was first, and also, anybody wants to hear my story about how I uncovered the prostitution, you could Google my interview with Frank McKay from four years ago. And it's 45 minutes long, and it's an incredible story. If this is the first time you're hearing this, you'll hear how I uncovered the whole prostitution ring and what was going on. But Linda at the time was not my wife. I just, she was an acquaintance. Right after I found out, or right after Heather had me arrested, this is the first time I was arrested back in 1999. Linda is very upset that she heard I got arrested. She calls me up and she says, Guy, I got to tell you some stories about your wife, which I had no idea. And she goes, one of the stories I'm going to tell you about is about a fur coat. And all she said was, if you remember now, 1999, 98, 99, the big story in the news was Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Do you remember that story yeah. with the blue dress? Do you of remember course, that? Of course. Okay. So Linda says, think of the blue dress. She goes, she says, did you know Heather has a fur coat? I go, no, I never knew. She goes, well, it's at Demetrius Furs. And she goes, go down there, speak to Demetrius and just think of the blue dress, Monica Lewinsky. So I go, what? So, okay. So I go down there. I go to Demetrius first. I walk in. I go, hi, Demetrius. I'm Guy Malone. I'm Heather Malone's husband. So he looks at me. He says, no, you're not. I said, what do you mean I'm not? He goes, you're not a husband. Go, How do you know I'm not a husband? He goes, because the husband was just in here last week to drop off a fur coat. I go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I says, I'm her husband. And I pulled out my driver's license showed him my name. He saw my address. He knew the address that had to live that. He saw Guy Malone. He goes, well, wait a minute. Then who was the person that dropped off the fur coat? 
So he go, I says, well, do you have a receipt that he signed? He goes, yeah. Goes in the back, brings out the receipt. It's James Burke signed. So James Burke bought the fur coat in. Now, I don't even know this fur coat exists. So I says, do you have the fur coat here? He goes, yes. I said, can I see it? I says, I never knew she had a fur coat. So he brings it out and he shows it to me and he opens it up and the, and in the lining, it has her name embroidered in it, Heather Malone. And then I said, what's this story about uh, Monica Lewinsky's blue dress? What, what are they talking about? So he shows me the coat. He opens it up. The liner is all ripped, the inside liner. And that's why Jim Burke brought it in, because the liner had to be repaired. Now, this is a custom-made coat that Demetrius made for Heather. And then there it is, right on the lining. All over the lining, he shows it to me. There's semen stains all over the lining. Wow. That's the, that's the connection to Monica Lewinsky's blue dress. Wow! So I'm looking at it, and he's cracking up. Demetrius says to me, he "says You know," and this is January of 1999. It's right after New Year's. He says, "You know," he says, "Your wife must have been having a really fun New Year's. You know, must have been really partying." He sees all the semen stains all over the inside of the coat, and I just looked at him and I says, "I'm in shock. I I don't know what to think of this." And I said, "Can you do me a favor?" I said, I want the coat. He said, well, I just can't give you the coat. I said, look, I need this as evidence. I want the coat. So he's, so he's looking at me. He says, you don't know what to do. And I said, you know what? Just think of this. Her husband brought it in, right? Which is Burke, which is not a husband. I says, guess what? The husband's picking it up. So he kind of cracked up. And he says, you know what? He says, I didn't like her anyway. She said, give me a driver's license. So I gave it to him. He made a copy of my license. So he had proof that I was the one who picked it up. I signed for it. He gave me the coat. And I took the coat home. I rolled it up in a ball and I shoved it under the bed. And a week later, Heather must have gone in there to get a coat. She found out that I had it. She hit this roof. She went berserk, cursing me out. I said, hey, sorry, you're not getting it back. I said, guess what? The husband brought it in. Well, the husband picked it up. But that's the story wow. with Demetrius first. Wow. All right. Again, let me remind folks, Guy Malone is the voice that you're hearing. Frank McKee here, much more importantly, Guy Malone, the, the ex-husband of Heather Malone, who allegedly was the, the partner in a prostitution ring with James Burke uh, prior to Steve Malone making Jimmy Burke the police chief of Suffolk County. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. 